All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, my name is Vinod Kumar. I'm a principal product manager at AWS, primarily for Amazon Workspaces and AppStream. The crux of this presentation is for our customer, Carnival Cruise, to talk about how they migrated their on-premises VDI to a fully managed desktop as a service, which is Amazon Workspaces. I'm here to give a brief introduction about what is Amazon Workspaces and how it benefits customers before I hand it off to the customer. You're all probably familiar with the challenges of doing on-prem VDI. The promises are great when you get started, right? Device freedom, bring your own device, being able to secure your apps on the data center, no data footprint on the devices, less devices to manage. The benefits are numerous as you get started. But you get into a lot of challenges as you start planning and building your VDI infrastructure. Starting with, you have to buy the hardware, you have to buy the software, you have to go through complex installations to setting them up, and that's not just the job done. You have to operate it successfully, and that's where majority of the challenges are. And you have to find the right resources to set up and operate these kind, and you have to ensure that you retain those resources. Right? So, and there's just not a single thing to manage. You have to buy several off-the-shelf products and make them all seamlessly work together. So the stories of shelfware VDI deployments and the challenges that customers face with them is you know, legend in the IT industry. So you start with great promises, but many of these promises goes unfulfilled. You have over-provisioned capacity with underutilized resources or you have underutilized capacity and you have less nimbleness and less flexibility in supporting your corporate users, be it going into a new geography or being able to support your users who are remote, globally distributed throughout the world, or being able to support a newly acquired you know, company and merging the IT systems together. Uh, so, or being able to just effectively and simply manage this. So, as with every other enterprise software, if the technology is hard to operate, customers want to move to a cloud-based service, which is easy to subscribe to, simple to operate, and realizes the same benefits that you get with your on-prem technologies. And that's where customers want for VDIs as well. Uh, you want to give your end users a desktop that they can connect and access and do their work and be productive wherever they are in whichever part of the globe they are in. And you want a turnkey solution that is easy to get started and easy to scale and easy to operate perpetually. And that's where Amazon Workspaces come in. Amazon Workspaces is a fully managed desktop as a service, this cloud desktop as a service that allows you to give your users a very highly interactive, highly secure, desktop that's running on AWS. As far as the service is concerned, you're able to spin up as many desktops as you want and spin down when you don't have a need for it. So you don't have to go through these challenges of having to plan, predict, forecast what capacity you want, have weeks of lead time of procuring the hardware, setting up the component, and bringing up your VDA infrastructure to support whatever project or whatever need that you have. You simply log in to the AWS Management Console, and you spin up as many workspaces you want and give access to as many users as want. And if you don't have the resource, if you don't need the resources, say you're winding down a business unit, you're completing a project, your contractors that you brought in to do some sort of specific IT integration are done, then you can simply eliminate these resources. You only pay as you go. If you're consuming 10 workspaces today, that's what you pay for. If you consume 100 workspaces tomorrow, that's what you pay for. It's easy to manage and deploy. It integrates seamlessly with your existing IT systems. You're able to connect these workspaces to your existing Active Directory. You're able to provide access to your users using your existing Active Directory group memberships. You're able to apply your existing group policies so as to ensure these workspaces are adhering to the IT compliance standards of your organization. And all these works seamlessly. And as far as scale, you know, just like with any AWS service, workspaces is available in multiple geographical regions. 
So unlike your on-prem VDI, which is probably restricted to few corporate data centers that you have located in different endpoints of the globe, you're able to give your users who are mobile or remotely working or globally distributed instant access to a desktop, a fully functional Windows or Linux desktop from any of the regions that is closest to their geolocation. And every user gets a dedicated workspace. There is no multiple users that are deployed on the same host or anything like that, which means every one of your user is getting a consistent performance, consistent experience as of every other user. So how workspaces differentiates with your traditional on-prem VDI? For workspaces, there is no hardware to buy. You log into your AWS console and you spin up how many resources you want. Or you can also do it programmatically using APIs. Every AWS service, as much as the functionalities are supported in Management Console, they're also supported using APIs, allowing you know, the creation and management of these resources, integration of those resources as a part of your existing programmatic workflows, be it your Okta or Ping identity systems or to your ServiceNow, things like that. There is no software to buy. There is no management layer. All you have to do is log in and spin up the resources. You can run globally. And you can get started by connecting your Active Directory or simply creating an Active Directory on AWS itself and spin up these resources in a few minutes. So now I hand it off to the customer. We're here to talk about their journey to workspaces. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. My name is Louis Arenas. I'm the business technology specialist for Carnival Cruise Lines. And I'm Doug Eaney. I'm from the IT department. I was the... Uh, CTO of Carnival Cruise, and I retired, and he, uh, we got a new CIO, and he convinced me to come back, and I restarted the cloud program at Carnival, and also re, uh, brought in some new enterprise servers for the res system. But uh, we're going to talk today about workspaces specifically. So with that, uh, all right. Now that the now everybody's th awake now. <laughs> yeah. So now that the horn has gone off and everybody's up on top deck ready for a cruise and ready to go to the bar, I thought we would talk about how do we get here? How do we end up with workspaces? Well, to be honest, workspaces was a skunk works project at Carnival, and we'll talk about that in a bit. It was, it was a product that was really at the right place and the right time for us. Um, we had embedded knowledge within our organization of, of how, we want, how we use uh, reservations and how our desktops work that are very customized for Carnival for res agents. Um, but when we did it, we were smart enough to do it as a skunk works and just prove it with a few of us. And then we went to the um, business unit and we'll talk about that. And then we also did a look at savings because we knew, like anything, it doesn't make sense unless you can prove you're going to save money because somehow CFOs want to save money. You know, and, and um, we came up with a roadmap, and, and then we will also go through at the end the technical setup of how we put this together and what best practices were. So we'll go through all that, and we'll try to do it in about a half hour. So a little uh, quick history. Um, roughly over a decade ago, it was decided that managing assets for our enterprise was too time-consuming and too difficult. As we started sending users home to be able to work, or they left geographical regions uh, because of necessity. We didn't want to lose that talent. So we used to send assets out, but that got costly. That got expensive. If a user's machine went down, it took a while to get a new machine out to them. So we looked at um, an on-premise solution and it was quickly adopted. And that was great and dandy when there was only 100 agents. Um, and by the way, that was an on-premises solution for VDI, but the agents, majority of them were at home working. Correct to make that clear, that differentiation. So fast forward to now, we've got almost 1,200 full-time teleworkers just in the contact center alone, not exuding, excluding the executive suite. Um, and having a fluid environment for them to be able to work where if they wanted to move from place to place, um, or if they started their day in the office and wanted to go home and continue, or for our outbound agents, being able to pick up when a guest called them, they're ready with a credit card in hand, not to say, hold on a minute, let me spin up my system 20 minutes later. It's like, let's go ahead and get that credit card. Let's get you booked. That was huge for us, right? Um, 
another big thing is that HR and recruiting departments are now faced with a reality that new employees are demanding to work from home. It's no longer a luxury, it's, it's demand. So being able to have this in an arsenal from an HR uh, perspective and from a recruiting perspective saying, you wanna work from home? Yes, you'll be able to work from home. And for the IT organization not to have to manage racks and racks of laptops or VPN connections and all that stuff just made it that much uh, simpler and easier. So where I said this was being at the right place at the right time, I happened to walk into the VP of operations, data center operations one day, an old friend, his name was Michael, and he's holding the phone out like this in this VP of sales at the contact center. I, I knew her well, and I knew exactly who she was, and I could hear the whole conversation. And I think everybody that's in IT has heard an irritant business unit before. And she was very upset because the VDI solution was either down or not performing well. And to be honest, you know, sometimes IT people say, oh, it was up. Look, the metrics show it's up. But the reality, if it's not spot on and fast and quick, it's down to, to a call center agent or, a, you know. So, so I thought to myself, you know, I've been reading about workspaces. They look interesting. We, uh, we came up with some skunk work dollars and we went ahead and put it up for like five people. And we'll go into that. So now we got a ball going and I went out and talked to uh, Lewis who uh, was at the technical <laughs> interface for the contact center, and then we went from there. So Doug approached us, and this was September of 2018 with this concept, right? Let's move away from our VDI solution, let's look at workspaces and see if it's something that is a good fit, right? At the very beginning, it was clear that this was supposed to be a 90-day proof of concept. Uh, we were just gonna kick the tires around. Um, in the cruise industry, our busy season is mid-December through March. That's when a quarter of our business for the year is done, uh, actually sometimes even more. So we knew we weren't gonna be able to get it up and running, or we thought we weren't gonna be able to get it up and running for our busy season. So we presented to us, and we started looking to see, well, what do we know, what do we have, right? One big great thing that we had is that we already had a matrix of applications because we had just gone through a hardware refresh. So we knew what applications were used by what agents in what groups. We had that documentation. We knew um, what difficulties our agents had when they were working remotely, right? With our VDI solution, we couldn't tell if the problem was on our infrastructure, if it was in the connectivity, if it was in the last mile, or if it was on the agent's desktop. Our business model for remote workers, it's bring your own everything. You know, our agents bring their PC, they pay for their phone, they pay for their internet connectivity. All we were giving them is a means to be able to connect. And then they connect to the, to the VDI solution at the office, but we don't worry about the home user's physical assets. So we avoided the cost of stuff going back and forth and, and modems and ISPs, they, they do their own ISP solution. We do worry about the two-line solution in the sense that they have to have a quality voice line to connect to our PBX so users call in to the 800 number and then they automatically connect. We might wanna go back one slide too, I think. Um, there we go. Um, no, keep going, all right, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so unlike traditional agile or, or waterfall workflow, we, we did something very different. And unbeknownst to us, it actually was a two pizza team. Because it was Doug, it was myself, it was a great partner that we had, and two, literally two, identified agents that we knew were gonna give us very honest, and we were kind of scared, hurtful feedback. They were gonna tell us what was actually the problem. Why couldn't they perform consistently, right? Um, and it was great because they were very, very candid. So we tested it on everything. We tested it on Mac, we tested it on Windows, we tested it on Chromebook, we tested it on a tablet, right? We wanted to give our users the ability to work literally from everywhere without 
a and, problem. And one was a real strong Mac head, one was a real strong Windows bigot, yep. you know? So it was kind of fun. And they, but they understood technology, but they demanded a lot of what they were doing because these people were great sales agents. Yeah. Another good thing or, or smart thing we did is that we worked closely with our workforce management team. We told them, listen, I'm going to take these two individuals off the phone. They are going to spend this much time helping us develop this because we knew the importance of getting their honest feedback. And if they're busy trying to make sales, they're not going to give me the honest feedback because that's where they're compensated. So now it's a month later, and we've got a working model, right? Traditionally, in our organization, before it, it, in our previous project to do the hardware migration, it took us nine months. Wait a minute, so we took nine months for hardware, and for a software solution, it took us 30 days to have a working model. And also, you've got to remember, it is the year before, because you've got to get funding to get the hardware. And the next thing you know, you've got 18 months before you can do anything, because you've got to get it in the budget, for, IT budget for that next year. And, uh, and then there's an argument of, well, oops, we've got to cut stuff from the budget, because we can't get everything done. Meanwhile, you've got that aging infrastructure out there, Mm -hmm. And then you're in trouble because now, guess what? You're on old Wintel servers, and there's all that patching that you have to do for that VDI That's solution. So, fun. so another good thing that we did is we knew we weren't going to get it right right off the box, right? So our two users were constantly testing, tweaking, providing us feedback as to what was working, what wasn't working, where they're able to get to all the things that they needed to get to it responsibly. Were there any firewall rules or, or security things that needed to be applied to make sure that their functions um, were seamless, right? That they would be able to pick up in the office, go home, log in, and continue working as they ha had not left the office. Um, that to us was huge, right? So now it's November. So we said, okay, let's bring out a whole team. So we brought on 20 people. And the 20 people said, well, you want us to make this crazy number next year? Well, you're not gonna take this away from us. They went up to our VP, and the agents themselves said, if you want us to perform at the level that you're asking us to, we need this. And this was after using the product for one week. Basically. You know, and... And it was also great because the actual users was an organic firestorm. All the users started to communicate amongst themselves, like, look, this is great. This is going to help you work. This is going to help you be successful. This is going to help you uh, get back time with your kids. One of the great stories we had from one of our use cases, or from one of our test users, was before this, he would get home, not even kiss his wife and kids, go up to his office, turn on his computer, log into the VDI, pull up all the applications. That took 30 minutes of his time. Then he went back downstairs and kissed his kids and sat down for dinner. Well, with workspaces, that all went away. He didn't have to set everything up on the off chance a client called him. He would just go interact with his kids. If a client called him, yeah, hold on. One, two, three clicks, 15 seconds, he's at his workspace. And because he's on card. his physical virtual PC, that's a conflict of terms, he's on a, a PC that he is, owns and is dedicated in that virtual environment. Wherever he last left off is where he picks up again. So whatever screen he was on the last time he used it, whether he was at the office or if he was you know, at his grandma's house. And we have cases where we have sales agents who they go over to their grandma's house sometimes to make sure they're okay, for example. There's yeah. one case I know. <laughs> and he'll go and do some work there. And then he'll go home and he'll pick up right where he left off. He doesn't have to worry about saving anything because it's still online. That, that persistence to them was, was infallible. And the connectivity with the connector that uh, AWS has, it's about a 15 seconds to connect. So what does that mean? So now it's December, right? And our VP, the VP of sales at the time, was faced with a very difficult decision. Do we, A, not fund this and struggle through our busy season? Or A, figure out how to fund it and make it work? Well, he chose the latter, right? So now we have spun up a thousand workspaces for entire telecommuter base and all of our sales agents to be able to make it through Wave. I want to give him a bit of credit too, because the IT organization said, you know, this is something we might be able to consider for 2020. 
but because it's not in the budget, we're not gonna do it until the fiscal year 2020. And that's where he stepped up. Yep. And he went to the CIO and said, let's work on this together because we believe this is gonna be a huge enough impact on our organization to get it going for our fiscal year 19, which started December a year ago 18. today. Yep. Yep. Yeah, our fiscal year starts December 1st <coughs> of the year. Pardon me. So now is to the fun stuff. So showing savings. Um, we knew because of our aging VDI infrastructure that there was a huge amount of calls to help desk. And there was no line in the sand that gave us the insight as to where that problem lied, right? It was always restarting connections and flushing out, you know, uh, profiles and things like that that were very tedious. It caused heartache and, and tension with the actual agents. An agent at the end of the line, they, they don't want to be listening or on a, on a phone with help desk for hours on end trying to be able to work. They just want to do their job and be done with it, right? So first thing we looked at is, well, how do we reduce calls to service desk? We reduced it by 55%. That, that to us was huge. There was more savings in them not having to call that allowed us to look a little bit deeper. It was like, well, if they're not calling help desk, let's look at the ones that are, why are they still calling? And we found out it wasn't even for the VDI infrastructures for other things. But now we could go back and we could educate our teams as to what they needed to do better, how to self-rectify you know, those issues, how to be able to uh, uh, get back online. And Workspaces actually even has some self-mediation tools within the, 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 the application that they can restart their workspace if it, come, it becomes hung. It was huge for us, right? And there's some corporate monitoring tools that come with Workspaces and a product called Wicketware that we used. Um, that gave, gave good console access to see how each user was using the unit, their, their workspace, and also how often and how long, and also the quality of their ISP connection. Because that was another big thing, right? Our telecommuter agreement said, well, you need to provide internet connectivity of X. You call a user, my connection went down. All right, what's your internet connection? My internet connection, I'm doing a speed test, I'm getting 100, 200 megs down. I was like, okay, that's at the time you ran the test, but in my liquid metrics, I can see a little patch here and a little patch here where your internet connection wasn't stable. Go call your ISP. You know, it was huge for us. We no longer, we had the tools to go back and say, this is your responsibility. What was that product again? Liquidware. With, and then there's another product along with it that uh, our, uh, our, our partner, uh, Cloudhesive, provided to put on top of Liquidware, and I always forget its name, but I'm going to ask Centricity. <laughs> I have a mental block with that name, but that became an important So then we started looking at, well, what else are they doing? So if they're not calling help desk, we can now see when they're online and when they're not, and we're educating them. Well, because of our work-from-home model, if they're down, we have to pay them. But if they're not down, what are we doing? We actually had a 45% reduction in paid downtime. That was actual dollars, right? Our CFO and was like, when we went to him, he was like, look, I am giving you back this money. He's like, but, 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 I was like, yeah, that's exactly right. And then the organic reach of workspaces has now left the contact center, right? So, so here, something important. Here was the organization not willing to go to workspaces because of the additional cost, even though they had a brand C VDI solution. But in the end, we more than captured that savings by the availability, the reliability, and maintainability of this solution. Because we didn't have to worry about patching F5 load balancers. We didn't have to worry about updating NIC cards. And if there was an issue where, let's say, we, a user did have a problem with the workspace. If they, if, they ha, if they somehow thought it was a problem of their dedicated hardware inside Amazon, one click and three minutes later, they're on, another, they're on another physical committed space within Amazon, but their image and, and everything that was in their workspace takes off exactly from where they left off. 
So, so it's not, and there's nobody that has to go and replace anything. It's all automated. And the savings in that is just tremendous. And that's just the paid reduction in downtime. So if we didn't have to, people weren't down calling help desk for issues. Well, now workforce didn't have to backfill that hour with somebody else to be able to take those calls. You know, in the contact center space, you, you, workforce plans for a certain amount of calls, right? A single agent not taking a call can back up a queue, several hundred calls, sometimes several thousand calls, depending on the, on the necessity. So for that, and that's not, those are the savings that we didn't even look at. So the office and beyond, right now, where are we at? Right now, we're a small 1,200 workspaces, but we're supporting 24 departments within our organization across 27 states in the US and four countries worldwide, all from the US East. In multiple availability zones. In multiple, yes, thank you, you multiple know. availability zones. So what, is, what does that mean, right? So our Australia partners now, when they need to be able to work out of our data center, we don't have to send them a laptop or VPN connection or worry about any of that. Just give them a workspace. They can log in. They can work from Australia in our native reservation system like you're sitting in our data center. It was huge. And that's just the time savings. The frustration savings for the users, it, it, you can't measure it. There's, I can't, I can't, you know, it, it's not palpable. And then all of this, because it's living in the cloud, it's built in BCP and DR. We don't have to worry about it. If a user's connectivity goes down to their home, they can go to Starbucks and work. They can go to their grandparents' house. They can go to the library and work. It, it, was, it was really, really big for us. And then some of the organic things that have happened here because of this is we have application developers, especially from the web team. We couldn't get all the application expertise we needed doing website development, for example, all in South Florida. So we have application developers working around the United States and in, a lot in South America and some in India. They have started, they used to ship high-end desktops to their houses. Now they're using, for them, they're using performance-level workspaces, but we don't have to ship anything anywhere. We don't have any assets out in the field. We don't have licenses out in the field. We don't have to worry about those assets being stolen or misplaced or lost in transit. And we don't have to worry about, oh, a piece of hardware broke at their home and then have them be down until new hardware comes back to them. Yeah, that, that was very, so very big. That, and and that, that's, that, those are things we hadn't seen. And now we're going through the problem that more and more people want to use it and you know, their management teams, because we, we are like most organizations, I think most organizations don't know it, but you're all CEO organizations. You know what CEO is? It's charge each other, right? So you, in your IT department, you want to charge, somebody wants to charge back to the end user organization. So the end user organizations at Carnival are raising their hand and saying, we'll pay for our workspaces. And uh, so that's a good thing. Yeah, that's been very, very positive for us. Um, so connectivity, really big, the, the big picture. So getting connected once the workspace is built from a user end's perspective is they go to a website, download the appropriate client, right? There's clients available for every flavor that you guys have out there, Windows, Mac, Linux, uh, tablets, Fire tablets, um, iOS and Android. Um, and that's huge, right? So that's taking away the, the, the physical hardware component and putting that control back in the user. Everybody's got a flavor of hardware device that they prefer, well, let them use it, right? And we're already an Amazon customer, or AWS customer to be more technically accurate. So we already had Direct Connect already set up to, to AWS. Uh, and, we are, and we're going from one model of Direct Connect to MTEX Direct Connect, back to our two data centers. So adding the workspaces, was relatively easy. We did have to work with our networking team for the firewall item to just have ourselves connected to the workspaces. But what's going yeah, on? Another very nice thing is, like Doug mentioned before, is that dedicated workspace, right? As users are, they're not a pooled workspace or a pooled PC. 
doesn't really work, right? Everybody wants to be able to have the cursor look a certain way. They like the screensaver to look a certain way. They like to arrange their icons on their desktop or their start menu a certain way. And being in, in workspace, allowing them to have that flexibility and then persistence. They were able to keep the word personal in their workspace. So they had a committed, dedicated, personal PC in a virtual workspace where they didn't have that because much more is locked down in the VDI solution. Yeah, and then our security team was happy, right? So the machine just came up in SCCM. Patching, we had, had to do no changes to our patching schema. The machines, we just put them in the correct OU. Everything got yeah. patched automatically. Yeah. And then security would come back and say, hey, well, what about these workspaces? Like, well, as you can clearly see in SCCM, they've already been patched per your schema. I was like, but we didn't change yeah. anything. That's the whole point. You don't have to. Yeah. They look as if they're native physical machines on the network. So we're using McAfee that we already had for our physical devices in our environment for all the physical PCs. We're using WebSense like we did, the same WebSense, the same McAfee, the same SCCM policies, the same group user policies, and we're using your standard Windows NT user IDs in the physical environment that we're using at home. And then throwing it back in for our DR facility where we have physical PCs still in the office, we've, our DR team has now said, oh, wait a minute. You know, we have a hurricane coming and we now want to bring up 200 users that have physical desktops. We're going to go to we're going to ship them. We're going to ship these people to Boston, and we're going to get put them in a convention facility to take calls. Well, before we used to have to have physical PCs there, you know, and we had to have them with our image. Now we might we'll have them with a with a Chromebook type solution or a PC, but it's just a plain old PC you could get Best Buy, and all we have to install on it is the workspace client. And it, nothing else. It can be a consumer PC. It can be their home PC. It can be, you know, from SunGuard with a standard PC. But the only thing we need is a one simple workspace client. Download it from aws.amazon.com slash workspaces. And boom, we can put all those people up and we can provision those up to a few thousand PCs in a couple hours. Yep, that was, that was huge. Um, the technical design can get a little bit uh, difficult um, to understand, so I'll uh, have Vinat come back up and, and go over that. Um, I'm going to jump ahead to the best practices, yeah. and then we'll, and then then we'll, we'll go, go and then we'll go back. Because one of the things I do want to mention here is that when we did this, remember we did this basically in 60 days, okay? And we did it as a skunk works, but it was so popular, the end users at the very bottom, the guys answering the phone, who really, really are the, you know, it's like what I say in IT. Your help desk is the front door to IT. When you call Delta Airlines, that res agent is the front door to Delta Airlines. Our res agents, when you call to go on your next cruise, and I'm, I gotta believe everybody here is gonna be ready for a cruise, mm -hmm. because you're already thirsty and you wanna go to that bar, and it's cold, even in Las Vegas. So you might as well get to the Caribbean or something like that and really have a good time. So, but to get that done in 60 days, we used our, our, our services partner, Cloudhesive, Jim Walker and Anthony Palmer, I wanna give a real shout out to. And I also wanna give a shout out to a great Amazon employee who we worked with and he went on to Amazon and he came from Carnival and that was Sheldon White. So I wanna give a, a shout out to him as well. And uh, he's now with AWS. So a couple of the best practices that we, we kind of figured out going through all this is that, one, we wanted to have or build a naming convention so we can kind of keep our versioning of our base bundles organized, right? Yeah. We knew while we were testing in the sandbox that there were going to have to be tweaks that were going to be applied. And we wanted to be able to easily roll back or iterate on version A, B, or C. So yeah. coming up with a naming convention to keep that organized was very, very yeah, important. We wanted to do also like canary testing and A-B testing so we could have one group on one version of the workspace and another group on a different version without pain. And it was it's very simple. Yep. And then versioning and, and continual updating. So 
understanding what our SEC and patching policy was and making sure that that was equally applied to the workspaces and then using the naming convention to build off of whenever something was patched. Because if I build the workspace now and I am not going to assign it in six months, I don't want it to when I build it to, and assign it to a new user that now has to look at six months of patching to be able to cut up. So by having both of these things put together, every month I've got a new base image. So when I deploy it to a user, they don't have to do patches from the last six There's months. There's no SCCM automated patching that has to be done. It's already patched when it's generated for that user. And then maintaining our user base so that we can keep control over our costs, right? So one of the nice things is that there's a tool that allows you to do, if you want to do always on or on demand, gives you that cost analysis and the break-even point. So for teams that we knew weren't, that didn't need it always on, we did the hourly model. And once we started seeing that they would get towards that threshold, we would convert them to always on, and we were capped at a maximum expense of what we were gonna have. If a user used it 20 hours a month, great, no problem. Started getting to 75, 80 hours, possibly go over, well, let's turn them over to, to always on, and that way from an IT, from a budgeting perspective, we weren't shooting ourselves in the foot. Let's go back to our tech design. Okay. And Renat, I'll leave it back to you. Thank you. Um, so this is an overall reference architecture. As they have explained, you don't have to change your IT systems to move from your on-prem VDI to workspaces. Uh, you extend your directory. You have your active directory. You have your users in your active directory, your group policies. You use SCCM to push updates, to patch applications. You have your device management, you have antivirus software that you use to secure your Windows PCs or whatever it is. None of that has to change. You come to AWS, all you need to do is to extend your Active Directory into AWS. There are multiple ways to do that. You use Active Directory Connector, which is a technology of AWS, to make your on-prem AD talk to your AWS. Or you can have a service account that has a two-way, you can use AWS Directory service to create an Active Directory on AWS itself if you don't have one, or you can make AWS Directory service talk to your AD through trust relationship. You know, and, and then once, you, once you're done with that, you can start launching workspaces. And the workspaces are created in a specific organizational unit that you specify in the Active Directory of yours. So these are standard computer objects that are available within your system, and you're able to use your traditional IT tools to patch them, patch or push application updates. If you're using like AppV packages or thin app packages, any sort of virtualization technologies to push apps to your physical desktops, you could do all of that. And you could also install your antivirus software that says like Symantec or whatever it is to secure these workspaces as well. So as they have explained, none of this changes. As you see the architecture here, the end users connect via internet uh, and they get access through a load balancer, so you don't have to worry about putting your own load balancers and stuff, to workspaces. And when every user is assigned a workspace, they get a dedicated virtual machine on AWS, and that has two network interfaces. One network interface to the service, so that the service can you know, administer the VM, and the other ENI is attached to your VPC. And so through that, the workspaces is able to talk to any network resources. You can mount your network file shares or you can make your domain printers visible through anything that you could do on a standard virtual machine on-prem could be done on workspaces as well. And as far as the setup is concerned, we provide base images, so you could get started with one of the server images. We provide server 2012 and server 2016, or you could bring your own Windows 10 client OSs through the bring your own license program that we support, and then use your own Windows 10 licenses to launch workspaces as well. If you have developers in your organization who have Linux desktops, like they do coding development and that kind of work, we also provide Linux workspaces. That's also another option for you guys to provide a fully managed, clear, good experience on cloud. And uh, as, as, as they mentioned, not just setting up workspaces, but administration of workspaces is also very simple. We provide APIs to rebuild the workspace right from the scratch, right? Or you can reboot the workspace using APIs. APIs provide, workspaces provides backup and restore. 
the service automatically backs up the C drive and the D drive, which is the user drive. There are two drives provided to the user within a workspace. One is for installation of your OS binaries and applications, and the D drive for user to store their data. Both are automatically backed up for every 12 hours. And so you are able to, if there is an issue with a workspace, you are able to restore workspaces from the most recent healthy snapshot. All of this could be done using APIs. And as they've mentioned, you can even provide these capabilities directly to your users and in a selective way. So if you enable for your own users to self-service this from the workspace's client itself, they're able to rebuild their workspace, reboot their workspace, and do all of that. A couple things I'd like to add that made this so successful that mm -hmm. your team did. Number one is all the automation was already built by yep. Amazon. So putting the workspaces again in the multiple availability zones was automatic. The backing up of all the PC workspaces was automatic. And that's all included in the pricing. Yep. You don't, we, so we didn't have to do anything. And if you wanted to do it as a skunk works, and, and make kind of easy, or you want to do it quickly without a big investment or having to worry about your licensing team, go ahead and use the Amazon licensing initially, and then you can bring your BYOL solution on board once you've gone through your proof of concept. Thank you for that. And as far as monitoring is concerned, uh, Workspaces supports CloudTrail logging, so all the capability, like log networking logs are available for you via CloudTrail. Uh, we emit CloudWatch metrics, so you're able to go to your CloudWatch and at any point see there are how many workspaces that are available, how many are connected, how many are not connected. And as far as cost controls, we provide two types of workspaces which they touched upon. One is the persistent workspace, which you can give it to your user. It's called the always-on model, where the workspace is running, even when users are not using it, the benefit is able, able to connect to, you know, from here I left off, and I'm able to connect to my, you know, from my grandma's house, the machine is exactly in the same state and running, allowing me to take off and take on the work that I do from wherever I am. Or if you want to save on cost, there's auto-stop workspaces, where if the user is disconnected from the workspace, it is put in hibernate state, and you're not paying for running charges when the workspace is in auto-stop state, and when the user connects, it automatically resumes. And any of these resources can be stopped at any point or can be deleted at any point if you do not want them. That's a big benefit. And all of this is a part of the fact that you're able to do these in single API calls adds to how easy it is to set up and manage these resources. To the end user, it's all automatic. Yep. And from an end user device perspective, we have clients for all platforms. And Workspaces also supports web access, which means you're able to use any standard web browser as well to connect to your workspace if you would like. There's another advantage, and I just thought about, that's happening with our executive team that I think is really valuable. We have a lot of people in our company that want to use MacBooks, and they own MacBooks. And the IT department doesn't want to support MacBooks as a product for the whole organization. What's been decided, and it's working well, is let users use their MacBook, give them a workspace, so they, own, so they connect to the public Wi-Fi in the office, okay? And they, then you, we, all they put on is the workspace client, and then to connect to the Carnival asset is they use a workspace. If their MacBook gets stolen or they can use their personal PC at the office and it gets stolen, it doesn't matter because there's absolutely no data on that personal unit. It's all in the, in the workspace, in the cloud. There's no, and also, there's no USB drives. So if your security team's worried about somebody putting malware in through a USB drive or anything like that, there is none because the workspace is in the cloud. That made our security, the security team, when we first met with them on this, the first half hour, they were very negative. By the time we were done with them, they were very positive. Yeah. And another, you know, our customers say that their executives travel a lot and they want to use iPads, right? But they still want the classic Windows experience that they are used to while they're in flight, while they're in meetings, yes? That's where all you need to do is to just give them, let them get their iPads. All you need to do is to just install the workspace, which they could do themselves. Go to a website, download the workspaces line, and they could use their existing corporate credentials to just log in and get a fully native Windows 10 experience on their iPads or on their tablets. 
the security team loves it because every all your data and the entire experience is in the cloud. It's just encrypted pixel remoting. So there is no data footprint. There is no app put footprint on any of your end user devices. So you don't have to invest in a ton to secure these devices to ensure your data or your apps are not e exposed to the modern security vulnerabilities that you're using. Maybe you can talk about one thing that we're very excited mm -hmm. about too, that our worldwide users are looking forward to, especially our travelers, is the new streaming protocol. Yeah. And how that has so, uh, a major effect. So we are, uh, Workspaces, as of now, uses PCOIP, the Teradigi PCOIP protocol for remoting the desktop. Uh, right now, Workspace is also migrating to a native inborn protocol that we built ourselves. It's called Workspaces Streaming Protocol. The Workspaces Streaming Protocol is going to be a very powerful protocol because it's going to give a very low latent experience on very flaky networks. So if you have... Uh, that's, that's the value proposition of the protocol. So if you have your call center agent, say, working in India, in areas that are distributed where you do not have internet connectivity, our beta customers are super excited because they are able to get a very fluid experience, even if the network is very uh, jittery and shaky. So we're excited about that, and we hope once we get, you get to try it, you'll also be excited about it. And there's some good, good recovery with packet loss in yep. the new protocol that's yep. doing a great job. Yep, and another benefit is the protocol does often, like, you know, traditional protocols do encoding of the Windows frames on the instance itself. So part of that is, part of the CPU is consumed by the protocol itself because it's encoding the frames and transmitting it. W, uh, the workspace streaming protocol does off-instance encoding. So the Windows frames are captured from the instance, but it's sent to a different network within AWS itself, which does the encoding, which means the local CPU resources are fully available for your users to consume. Uh, and that way, your users are able to get a much more interactive experience. They feel that they are getting a much more interactive experience because you know, as they are using, say, data-intensive applications or uh, they're compiling code or doing some CAD CAM design, these applications need a lot of CPU resources. And as far as compute flexibility, Workspaces offers different bundles. We call the hardware configuration as a bundle. So there is standard bundle, which comes with certain CPU cores, certain amount of memory, certain, and then there are uh, performance bundles, which gives you more CPU or horsepower, more memory. And if you want to give uh, graphics workspaces, GPU-enabled workspaces, we also have hardware configurations for GPU users. So, sh so should you want to give a workspace to your CAT CAM engineers, to your artists, to your creative directors, whoever it is. No, we're using our SCCM. SCCM. Right now, it's on-prem. It's connecting through our Direct Connect interface. So we didn't. So we were able to do this without doing major surgery in other areas of our IT organization. Now our or IT organization is also starting to replicate items into the cloud, like Active Directory. Well, we have Active Directory. Uh, and DNS servers in the cloud that replicate back and forth, but we didn't start this and have to depend on it, and we don't have to depend on it now. Go ahead. Are you using our multi uh, Yes. We're using MFA, and we're using our MFA. So the MFA we were using with our VDI solution is the exact same MFA we're using today. The MFAs, and we use it for some other areas of the company, and within applications like linking to a mainframe, et cetera, it's, it's the exact same MFA solution with the exact same token, and we just provide the two IP addresses to the Amazon AWS client, mm -hmm. and it, it, it connects up with our MFA solution. So when you go to it's your very uh, clean. when you go to your Amazon management like workspaces management console. You can go through a setup process to connect your MFA to uh, the directory, that directory configuration object that you will set up within the and, workspaces. And if you don't have MFA, you can turn that feature off within your organization. Go ahead. No, yeah, because no, because the only thing that comes back to them 
are the pixels of the screen. And we've also made it where it's smart enough, and we can turn this on or off. Copy and paste, you can turn that on and off, and we have it turned off. So like, let's say something comes down to their physical owned PC, they can't do a copy and then a paste into their physical PC. Do I answer your specific Does that question? answer your question, though? Yeah, that well, first off, all our call center agents are monitored, and it, it, you'll be, it's, a, it's ground for terminations if you write down the credit card, and we've now implemented a new solution that I'm not totally involved with, but now when they go to give the credit card, there's now a third party involved in, in providing the credit card, and the call center agent doesn't actually get the credit card number. Uh, That's all part of that. I mean, the amount of time and money probably the entire Fortune 500 have spent on PCI, you know, compliance is huge. And we've, we've done it just like every, every other company dealing with uh, those type of things. Sort of adding on to that, uh, Workspaces also has a feature called IP access points. So you are able to configure the IP ranges only if the user is connecting from that IP range. The user will be able to connect to that uh, workspace. If they're connecting from outside that IP range, they will not be able to connect to that workspace. It's a part of the service itself. Yeah. Oh, there you go. If they are, they're very small, because nobody has brought that up. And we use Cloud Checker and things like that. And no, it hasn't been an it, it hasn't been brought up at all. And the amount of data going back and forth because it's just that pixel data is very low. And so, the pixels are also encrypted before they're transmitted, so it's even down, so it's just very, yeah. and it's screen changes, not entire frames being sent again and yeah. again. So it's just, if you have this frame and this frame, and if there's certain pixels that change in the frame, only the delta is transmitted. If I was betting, there, if I was betting, I'd say there isn't a charge, but I won't swear to it if you have a gun to me right now because I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that's going to be asked. We, we had a similar question, which is, from the standpoint of the environment, Yeah, we're doing that through our direct connect. We have a we 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 you know we basically have a VLAN to that to our to our workspace VPCs. Yeah, it's just a T-link between your yeah. corporate data center and yeah. AWS. Yeah, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Is in preview. Yeah. Yeah, they've asked us not to put it in production yet, so we haven't. Yeah. Uh, so I can share that under NDA? So I'll give yeah. my contact, so outside we can... For the question was, is streaming protocol, somebody asked, is streaming protocol in production? And the answer is no. Amazon has asked that the users of workspaces not put it into a production environment. So it's in preview mode right now. So we're taking, we're giving the protocol for customers to test, and we can give feedback from that. Okay. Yeah. You just yeah just in, in the Amazon client you that you, at the we you configure what IP addresses to go to for MFA. I don't know. That's not correct. I would think we would just create another directory. And, I think and we should need to take that one off. Yeah, we'll yeah, take it, but I think, I, I think there's a solution for that. Because there's a couple of ways that you can you can do it, right? So there are IP controls that allow you to lock it down to certain you know uh, ranges. You can turn on MFA, but if you wanted to have MFA for outside your network and no MFA for inside, you'd have to 
yeah. separated via regions probably. I could imagine what you're thinking about is something like, oh, you have an RSA MFA, and then maybe you now have Microsoft Office 365, and somebody wants to start using the authentication you know, that Microsoft provides as part of that package. And you could yeah, do and that. that's what we're working with a, with, a, with a partner like Cloudhesive comes into play. You know, their expertise will really bring to the table what those different options are and help you work through that use case. We can follow up. Uh, I'll, I'll give my contact. Come on up. Correct. So that is, that is all managed by group policy, right? So if there are applications within our corporate network that users are able to download or install because they need it, you just pull it down from the software catalog. They are not local admins of the workspaces, so they can't pull something off the net and install it onto their machine. It's not going to allow them to do that. But, but that's based on your group policies. Group policy however you by build. user ID. So you can define by user ID what group policy that user ID runs with. Well, we do, we do. Our IT developers can ha have admin rights to their PCs, but our, but our res agents, for example, do not. Yeah, and, but we, instead of managing at a one-to-one, -one, we manage it at OU level. It's a lot easier. But, yeah. yeah. Yes. So we have a standard help desk. And it's the same help desk for our physical PCs and our workspaces. What we have done, though, with um, our partner, Cloudhesive, we've made them level three support. So our help desk does level one and level two, and we're getting them more and more trained, and we're getting, and level three is Cloudhesive. Now, there was some laziness, right, where Cloudhesive was getting user ID and password reset questions, right? So there was some education we had to go through, but really there's very few issues that go to level three. Go ahead. In the back. So, yes, we did, we did look at both, and the reason why we, wanted, we went with um, uh, workspaces versus AppStream is we wanted a consistent experience, and we also needed to screen scrape, right? So our QA monitoring tool is not only listening to the call and recording, but it's also capturing the screen. So that gives us additional information as to why agents are going to certain places to look for certain information. We can now use that to train them as to, well, maybe if they're going here or spending too much time there, we need to give them a little bit of training. And that's where the workspaces ended up being better for us. Um, also for our outbound sales agents, we expect them, they're 80% they're leveraged, right? So we want them to be able to work whenever the phone rings, right? For them to be able to pick off and have their CRM, their phone, their booking engine exactly where they left the cursor, to them it was, it was huge. It was more benefits and intangible benefits than going to an app stream. Now, we are looking at AppStream for our BPO outsourcer. That's something we're starting to develop and look into right now. I'm sorry, I'm not hearing the question. We have not seen any difference yet, no. Yeah, so a good thumb rule to think about AppStream and workspaces is if you want to give a full persistent experience, a full desktop experience for your users, where they get to control that PC as their own PC, they can install their apps, do whatever it is, and then you want to connect to an Active Directory, Workspace is a great choice. If you want to have a curated catalog of applications that you want to provide to your admins, to your users, where the users are using those apps for a few hours a day and things like that, then AppStream is a good choice. And if you don't want to take a dependency on Active Directory, then AppStream is a good choice because AppStream can be standalone. You don't have to have an Active Directory for, for using AppStream. So that's a good thumb rule to use between depending upon the use case that you have within your organization. Yeah. Uh, this lady is waiting for a long time. Oh, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Are directory services uh, supported? 
right now? Cross account support. Like, could you elaborate? Directory services. So if you have the directory service created, is, so between UAT and production, is that the cross? I think directory supposes does support cross account uh, administration. I'm not very sure. Okay. Uh, but I can get back to you. I can give you my email ID and I can confirm. Okay. Yeah. There was somebody over here. Uh, so, on my flight here, in the airplane at 35,000 feet, I was in my workspace on a call, without a problem. Yeah, but I but the but the workspace streaming protocol <clears throat> will be even better. Yeah, you know. Yep. Thank you. And by the way, with the workspace spring streaming protocol, we're looking to do voice video and the regular PC work all in one stream. Well, we're so not doing voice We've actually video. gone over time, so we'll definitely take any additional questions you guys may have. We'll outside. be right outside. Uh, thank you very much for coming. Let's jump ahead to, I think, the last slide. Make sure they fill out the yeah. survey. And Keep going. There you go. Yes, so thank you very much for coming. Uh, we'll stay around for some questions. Thank you so much.